Welcome to the How to Health podcast. I am Dr. Lori Marvis, and I'm so excited to have Dr. Harold Koenig with us today. How are you today, sir? Good, Lori. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us. I know you're super busy and we have limited time here, but I just wanted to tell everyone about what you do. Um, so you're Director of Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health, Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences, Associate of Medicine at Duke University Medical Center, and you had over 500 publications, you're in books, you've written a new book too that's called You Are My Beloved, Really. That's on Amazon, I'll put the link about that, but today we are really going to just dive in quickly um, about spirituality and faith and kind of what that does with our health. So could you just give us a little background about why you became interested in why you even thought there would be even a connection between a faith or spirituality and our physical health or outcomes? Well, initially, I was seeing patients as a family physician and uh, caring for them in the hospital, and I was very interested in how they were coping with their condition. One reason is because I had been trained as a nurse prior to being a physician, so nurses were always you know, more sensitive to how the patient was doing. So I carried that along with me in my, in my, in my medicine, you know, activities. And, and many people would talk about their religious faith in, in helping them to cope. And I was, I was intrigued by that. This was now probably over 30 years ago. And uh, there had been very little research, especially among medical patients on how they were coping and the role that their religious faith played in that. And so I then began to do some systematic studies documenting the frequency that people rely on their religious faith, and then began to look at the connections with their physical and mental health to see whether or not those who were relying more on, you know, prayer and God and faith whether they were actually coping better and were healthier, were responding more quickly to medical treatments. So that's how I kind of got interested. So you were a family doctor before you ventured into psychiatry? Yes, I was a family physician uh, prior to, you know, diving into geriatric medicine and then psychiatry. So it's, wow. it's been a nurse, actually an orderly, then a nurse, then a you know family physician, then a psychiatrist, and that's what I'm doing now primarily. Well, I think that's actually a really good mix because with family medicine, that's what my training is. It's uh, we needed a little bit more psych psychiatric training for sure. <laughs> it was so a great mix. It's a fabulous idea, and that's why I think I'm so intrigued with psychology and and you know positive psychology and health and. Um, but with that, what did you find? So as you began to study this and what were the outcomes that you were seeing? And did anything surprise you? Well, you know, one of the, the first findings was that many people rely on their religious faith. When you, when you look at it systematically, when you kind of, you know, do consecutive samples asking patients who are consecutively med admitted to the hospital or coming into the clinic, uh, what role does your religious play in your coping with illness? And very, very high percentages uh, of people in the 80% range, at least in the United States, are going to talk uh, about their religious faith. And some of them will actually bring it up, even if you don't ask them. They'll just bring it up. So that was one of the first findings was that uh, 
many for many patients, it's one of the most important factors that keeps them going. And then I began looking at uh, depression. So it seemed like depression was less likely among those who are more religious. And they were also uh, happier and friendlier. And we, we measured and documented all of those things and published them in, in mainstream psychiatry and, and medical journals that religious people really did better than those who didn't have a religious faith when they encountered really difficult situations, particularly with regard to their health. And then more research went, wanted, to, wanted to understand if that affected their physical health and their recovery, and then found you know, and study after study that, that patients were uh, recovering faster. They, uh, their immune systems were actually measurably better when looking at inflammatory markers. Uh, their blood pressure was lower and they were living longer. They were living longer, uh, you know, significantly longer than one of the things about mortality, of course, is it's, it's a cumulative you know, indicator of, you know, of, of a health effect because it's, it's kind of accumulates these, these effects of religion accumulate across the lifespan um, and uh, so influence mortality. Wow. So those are the kinds of examples of, of studies that, that we've done. And what's very exciting, which surprised me in many respects, is that other other research groups have found the same thing. And, and within the last year or so, um, the Harvard School of Public Health has documented these very same relationships and lower depression, less suicide, greater longevity. And that's been kind of exciting to see, you know, you know another research, very high prominent research group uh, reporting these same findings in, in medical journals, uh, JAMA, in JAMA. So, you know, that's wow. exciting. That is exciting. So your findings are reproducible, which is incredible. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Yeah. So I'm curious. So when you said you were studying religion or religious practices, was there any particular practices that or religions that you found to be more beneficial to individuals, or was it across the board? You know, Judeo-Christian, Islam, Buddhism, whatever. Was there? What did you find there? Any differences? Well, well you know. Uh, one of the one of the, first of all, most of these studies are in Christian populations simply because, you know, English speaking countries that can afford to do research tend to be majority Christian. So it's it's, a, it's probably, you know, about 80, 85, maybe 90 percent of these studies are in Christians. Um, now, in terms of activities, for some reason, religious attendance seems to be one of the most powerful predictors, frequency of attending religious services. Um, along with this, uh, this characteristic called intrinsic religiosity. Intrinsic religiosity is kind of the extent to which a person's life is centered on their religion. It's kind of intrinsic. Um, so those are the major characteristics, you know, religious attendance and this more cognitive aspect of religion, this intrinsic religiosity where religion is guiding the person's decisions in life and, and kind of their life is kind of surrounded, you know, their, their religious beliefs kind of are the kind of the focus of their life and that, that guide their life. 
Now, in terms of is this only true in Christians, and uh, actually it's, it's true in other religions as well. Devout religious practices, you know, are related to better health. Um, whether there are certain characteristics within the Christian faith, you know, the, the emphasis on God's love and forgiveness, on whether that actually has um, more effect than other religions is really not known. It's, it's very hard to compare religions. It's very difficult, you know, just, just uh, technically, mm-hmm. uh, metallurgically, it's, it's difficult to compare because if you compare people, you know, of different religions in the United States in a majority Christian nation, they're going to they're gonna have, you know, a lot of other stressors, you know, social stressors because they're kind of an out group and, and you know, because they're not part of the mainstream in terms of their beliefs. So it's very difficult to compare people from different religions. But if you study, if you study people in Iran or in Saudi Arabia, where I, I work a lot with these investigators in the Middle East, we find very strong relationships with, uh, between <laughs> religion and mental and physical health, very strong. Wow. So I have a few questions on the intrinsic religiosity or what you're describing. What do you think that is? Is it the moral compass that's guiding someone to maybe choose better behaviors or to keep them out of trouble? I mean, what do you think that is? Is Are, are there characteristics that you've been I, able to define? I think it's all of those. I think it's all of those. Plus, it's a, it's a belief system that gives meaning to life, particularly when bad things happen. Hmm. You know, when people get, get sick, if they lose a loved one, if they go through severe trauma, you know, this begins, you know, that that's when people start asking questions you know what is the meaning of life why am i here why did this happen and people who have a strong religious faith a strong connection with god seem to be able to weather those those events much better hmm. they're able to find meaning more more rapidly and integrate those experiences better uh, hmm. it's 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 fascinating it's really you know it is interesting because all of the three major world uh monotheistic religions all focus on on this this connection with god you know it's the first commandment in all of those three religions you know so those i i guess if you if you have this attachment to god that that making that as one's first priority other things as they change and as you know they you lose stuff they don't matter quite as much. They still hurt really bad. But again, if the priority is, is right, then these other things kind of fall in line more in perspective. Now, you know, if, if other things are more important than, for example, someone's relationship with God, then th- when those things change, when life is dependent on those things, whether that be persons, whether it be positions, uh, possessions or positions or or job or whatever, when those things are out of line and they're going to change inevitably, that's when that's when problems occur. Absolutely. Well, I know with my own faith that God's been the one thing that's never changing. And that's I'm, it. I am curious. Um, I don't fear death. And do you think that might be part of that, too? Because there's comfort knowing that we're here for a purpose. And at the end, it's going to, at least in my belief that there's going to be a better place. So 
do you feel like that is part of it that that fear of the end or what's going to be happening is kind of blunted in in some sense i know that i've seen people who fighting terminal disease and just the most horrendous of things losing children or or something but they have such a peace around them because of their strong faith. And it just awes me that they're able to do and go through life with such tragedy and loss and, and such obstacles overcome. Do you think that's part of that? Is that, what do you think is that belief? What is that belief doing to them that's allowing them to do that or have that? I do. I agree. I think, I think part of it has to do with the sense that, uh, you know that this life here is is just temporary this is not all there is mm. and that you know that there is something that that is beyond this life and you know a a place where the suffering is no longer there you know it's a a better place we're all going through a lot of a tough things here on this earth you know mm. you can be guaranteed of that um but but having that hope i think the hope is really important you know, having that hope in, in that things have a purpose that 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 God, you know, can take something bad and and turn it around into something good, um, and uh, I think that makes a difference. Uh, and and knowing that, uh, you know, that there's life after death. You know, mm-hmm. that it's not the the end. If you're purely a scientist, you know, the the outlook there is pretty dim. When right. you consider, you know, the purely scientific view is that, you know, we're just we're just here evolving into some other kind of organism that someday will look different than us, that we, there's no purpose or meaning to this life. And we when we die, it's that's like it. There's no resting in peace. You know, there's right. non-existent right. for all of eternity, you know, right. which which is that, that's the scientific worldview. But religion says, no, 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 no. There are other sources of truth, and we don't understand everything right now. And, uh, you know, there, there just might be something more to this life. And these religions have not lasted, you know, for thousands of years for no reason at all. The reason they've lasted is because there's probably a lot of truth in those religions. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll see in 2,000 years from now whether all these scientific theories, if we're still around, you know, whether they're still around. Right. Absolutely. So that is, I'm curious because, you know, as speaking as a scientist and a physician and talking about things that, you know, we, I say that I believe in God, but I can't prove without a doubt that there's a God to someone, let's say, who's a non-believer um, or who doesn't have any type of, of faith in a, a spiritual being or spirituality belief or practice what kind of um, criticisms or obstacles have you kind of run up against in that scientific world? Have you, have you had any issues or struggles with your peers saying, you know, this is hogwash. Why are you studying this? Cause I'm just curious. I mean, how do, and if so, how do you respond to that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right on that. I, I've run into a lot of resistance, um, you know, uh, mostly it's not been any direct resistance. It's mostly been, I guess, being ignored and kind of being marginalized, which is actually fine with me because that means I could spend more time doing what I want to do. So I'm not 
part of a whole lot of committees, you know, or any too much administration. I can really focus most of my time on on conducting research and and training others to do it and writing and all of those kinds of things. So it doesn't bother me that much. Plus, a lot of doors have opened for me that, you know, in terms of funding from outside organizations and mm. in terms of just, just colleagues that I've run into where relationships, good relationships have developed and, and we've been able to work and do a lot. And a lot of that just seems that the doors have opened up. Mm. So I'm I'm very uh, I'm very excited. It's uh, about that. Now there there are a lot of challenges here, and uh, you know I mean one is that, I mean I'm constantly wondering whether God really exists. To be you know honest with you, I'm, I've got even though I'm a religious person myself, I'm uh, you know so scientific that I've got to have this this evidence. And you know in reality, evidence is all around us. And, you know, it's uh, you if you barely look for it, it, it hits you in the in the head. But uh, there's also a lot of, you know, a lot of people out there are having a hard time. Just to give you an example, my wife has a severe, severe chronic pain syndrome. And, you know, she's uh, it's really been tough. I mean, she just had a spinal cord stimulator implanted the day before yesterday and, you know, she can't sleep, you know, she's in severe, severe pain. I just got back from the doctor who, you know, where she's on Dilaudid, she's on Oxycodone. None of that stuff seems to even be touching this pain. And, uh, you know, we wonder at times, you know, why would God allow this? You know, she's very faithful, very, you know, deacon in the church and very active in her religious beliefs and, and helping other people. And, with pain and with disability, spends a lot of her time doing that. And yet, you know, these bad things happen and they, they just do. And trying to understand them, you know, we're just not going to know. There's just no real answer to this. We just have to have faith that God knows what's what he's doing. You know, right. we just we just don't know that much. You know, right. there's a lot going on here that we just don't understand. And, and the main thing is to just stick it out, you know, just stick it out. Just try to have faith. You know, that's hard. That's very hard. But, you know, what What else are we going to do? We can't give up, you know. No, you can't give up. I, I understand what you're saying whenever you um, enter a point of, of tragedy. I had a brother that was killed at 22. And oh. so when you see that at such a young age and – under, you're just like, I don't understand. But at the same time, the how he passed, you know, the individual that was responsible for his death, I think only God would allow us as family to forgive. Um, oh. I find that to be very um, comforting and knowing that God can take me and take my heart, which is really... <laughs> you know, a, a vengeful, wanting to be the human element, the, the sinful self, and just hate and you know but he allows us through his grace to see different things and um that's how i see it. and you know i always look back at least i'm a christian biblically paul always had he always wrote about you know he had a thorn in his side and god said you know this is for you to understand that just your faith in me is enough and i take comfort in that um again we're never going to understand suffering um but then again we have free will right so um he allows us our decisions and we we 
have the consequences and to learn and sometimes he will do different things again yeah like how am i how am i supposed to question who made us but when you talk about evidence all around us i find that comforting too because i look at this earth and i look at the universe and we are this ball floating around this ball of fire you know and it just where does the universe end there's just so many questions that i'm just like i'm not even worried about it someone much brighter than me is in charge and so um that's incredible so I know you just had a few more minutes left with this um but could you tell me a little bit because I'm a vet I was in the U.S. Air Force I was active duty I was um also deployed to the Middle East not in a place that I saw a lot of tragedy or anything but I certainly came across as a physician you know patients returning with PTSD severe you know they they saw their buddies blown up and died and you know, limbs blown off and just horrific, horrific things that we um, witness as humans and just how did that process that. And um, I've really come really interested in positive psychology and how we can, you know, use post-traumatic growth instead of post-traumatic syndrome and preparing people. But you are talking about, I came across one of your studies or something here. It says spiritually oriented rationale for spiritually oriented cognitive processing therapy for moral injury and active duty military and vets with PTSD. Can you give me a sliver of what that's all about? Well, you know, I've become very interested in this whole topic of moral injury and, and PTSD. And in fact, it's kind of my focus now. And in fact, I wrote this book that we talked about earlier, You Are My Beloved, and dedicated it to veterans and active duty military, you know, as as part of this, this therapeutic process. Because, you know, these terrible things that happen cause people really to 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 question whether god whether there is a god and whether god loves us and whether god cares and so i wrote this book really to kind of counteract that belief that uh, that god doesn't care that we are his beloved and uh you know that's something that that veterans who have had severe trauma and active duty military they need to really know that because if they know that that will help i think some of the self condemnation some of the guilt some of the shame which is just an inevitable consequence of being in war mm-hmm. and uh you know that that's very frequent we we've done studies in veterans recently showing that uh 80 to 90% are experiencing some of what's called moral injury, you know, from their combat experiences. And, mm-hmm. and again, this moral injury is, you know, having to shoot and kill people, even if it's your job, you know, and then being upset when your, your buddies get, get injured or killed and, and, and then reacting to that or, or the fear you know, that they that you experience, you know, when, when you're being overrun by the enemy. All of these things create very deep, deep wounds. And, you know, the love of God, which is always there, you know, that's, you really got to focus on that. That, you know, God loves you and forgives you, you know, and is reaching out to you and just wants to have a connection and no matter what you've done, there is forgiveness for that, no matter what you've done. Hmm. And really, that's, that's the purpose, you know, of this book and this whole research area that, that I'm now really like 100% of my time literally spent on, 
on developing this intervention to help treat moral injury in um, in you know our soldiers that and and we're those people you you and and your buddies who are enabling us to be free and mm-hmm. and people throughout the world to be free what a what an important how important our military is you know and and we send people young our kids out there in their teens they haven't experienced any we throw them out there and then they go through hell and mm-hmm. uh you know my dad was in the service he was in world war ii and my father-in-law was in world war ii and uh you know i, I just have a heart for veterans and active duty military i i, I don't know i just i just do mm-hmm. um just I know we're we're done almost done, but I just had a I came across the the verbiage or the something called religious CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. Can you just give us a quick definition of what that is exactly? Sure, it's a religious cognitive behavioral therapy, and this is all available on our website. It's all for free. You know, okay. we've got manuals on how to do it in five different religions. You know. Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. And what it involves is it involves uh, its standard cognitive therapy, which challenges persons, you know, if, if people have certain assumptions or dysfunctional beliefs, it challenges those beliefs and tries to help the person think more, more in reality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, religious cognitive therapy really is based on the person's religious scriptures. What do those scriptures say? What does their faith tradition teach with regard to these various things that people struggle with? And most of the scriptures are really, really positive and give this guidance for thinking and behaving that help to neutralize you know, emotional problems like depression, anxiety, and, and PTSD, we think. Wow. Well, there's this wisdom, again, you know, this wisdom in the scriptures has lasted for thousands of years. And a lot of times these scriptures were written in a setting of war and trauma. Mm-hmm. So there is so much truth in there. Why are we just ignoring that? You know, why are we just ignoring? I don't know, but I, I know that whenever I've been through a lot in my life is that whenever there's challenges or questions and needing of wisdom beyond prayer, it is truth in scripture has never, ever led me wrong. And so I certainly see it as a foundation of our family. We've, we've raised three amazing grown children now and they're incredible. So we're very blessed and thankful. So I certainly think going back to scripture and bringing that around to the family and, and bonding ourselves together with that has been very helpful. So you're absolutely right. So I know I promised uh, 25 minutes I'm into, so I just want to say thank you. And maybe we can, when you have a little more time, we can go more in depth into some topic because this was fascinating. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing and your studies. And I just think it's much more important than people realize. Thank you, Lori. I've enjoyed talking to you and your audience. Thank you again. And I'll, and everyone, I'll have the links for um, Dr. Koenig's book and everything to the website at Duke as well, because I'm really curious. I'd like to download some of the religious CBT information. So thank you, everyone. Mm-hmm.